this next conversation, I'm right off the top, I'm just going to say it's always struck me as kind of weird. We're going to be talking about the rules of war, which have always seemed a little bizarre to me. I mean, I fundamentally understand it, but when you think about it for a second, it's a little, it's strange. I mean, basically what we're going to be talking about is this person you can kill, that person you can't. Um, you can kill that person this way, but not that. I mean, you get into some really strange philosophical debates. I, like I say, I understand it. I, I, you know, there, there needs to be rules, and primarily for protecting civilians, right? I mean, that's what primarily we're talking about. But not only that, we're also talking about, you know, how do we hold those to account after the fact who may have broken the rules? So I, I, I like I say, I understand it, but the principle of it. To me, is kind of like, boy, this is a weird conversation to have, but it's important. So, and there are differences that we, we, like I said, we have the two conflicts that are raging right now. They're not the same, and therefore the rules are not the same either. So, we're going to have a conversation with Brian Peeler, who is an assistant professor of political studies um, at the University of Manitoba. Brian, thank you so much for being here today. I appreciate your time. Well, thanks for having me on, Shane. You, you are absolutely right. This is a weird yes. conversation to have. <laughs> you know, it, it always reminds you, like, when, when somebody's on death row and he's getting close to his execution date, they put him on suicide watch, and I'm like, what? Why? It's it's the same kind of a concept, right? Like, there are rules around how we are going to kill people, which fundamentally is a little strange to wrap your head around. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I guess the sort of starting point here is that there are people that have agreed to be killed by being part yeah, of the military right. because that's, you know, you presumably know what you're getting into joining a military, but as you correctly said, our main concern here is how do we protect civilians caught in these con uh, conflicts and uh, how to you know, hopefully not widen them. So we take a look, and, and it's a really good time to have this conversation because we have two conflicts that are fundamentally different, and that really defines how we handle the laws around them, right? First of all, we have to decide what kind of conflict it is. What What's the difference, and and how does that then spill into the rules of war? Exactly. Yeah, I mean, the, uh, the Ukraine-Russia conflict is straightforward. Those are two states. We have, you know, Russia, an aggressor, taking territory and claiming it as its own, using force, using its military to take territory for another from another country. Um, two UN members, two signatories to the Geneva Convention. So this is pretty easy to look at. You know, Russia is the aggressor here. Two states, uh, the Geneva Conventions apply in full. And as we've seen, you know, the uh, ICC is a um, issued an arrest warrant for uh, Vladimir Putin for uh, you know, the, I guess the specific charge is the you know, kidnapping yeah. of children from Ukraine and making that a, uh, a genocide. So that one is fairly straightforward. The uh, Hamas-Israel uh, conflict is much more fraught with, uh, <laughs> with lots of uh, legal issues here about uh, what type of war it is. Because at, at essence, we don't even know if we have two countries at war, right? I mean, we need to define whether or not this is, in fact, an international conflict or not. Exactly, yeah, because depending on if it's an international or non-international conflict, different rules are going to apply. And sort of the interest here, I would think, is, you know, what are you, you want to classify it in such a way that you are being true to the facts on the ground, the empirical reality of the conflict between um, Hamas and Israel, and also that you know, which rules are going to protect protect the most uh, civilians who are not, you know, don't want to be caught up in this conflict. 
So when we talk about the rules of war, and they, they do exist, right? Like you say, they're written down in many different places. What There's three principles that sort of define how we came up with them. What are we talking about here? How did yeah. we decide what we need to put into these rules? Well, there are three, three principles that uh, we, we, that states have uh, tried to codify in international law for the protection of civilians in, in conflicts. We have the principle of distinction, which... You know, it's supposed to say, you know, who is a combatant and who is a non-combatant who's a civilian you can't target. Uh, there's the principle of proportionality. Um, there are two sort of proportionality principles. There's a macro proportionality consideration in the sense that, you know, is the use of force that you're using proportionate to the problem you're trying to solve? But there's also, when we're talking about things like the Geneva Conventions, uh, a more micro conception of proportionality about you know, are you using enough, uh, uh, the proper amount of force in this particular military instance to accomplish the um, goal that you're trying to do? And then there's military necessity, which is is whether or not um, the target you are, which has to do with targeting decisions, is it a military target or not? Can you, and can you uh, uh, attack this with force? And, and when we talk about the current conflict in Gaza, all of those questions are being raised, right? I mean, those are sort of the issues that we're hearing from a lot of different international organizations and indeed countries saying those rules are being violated here. Yeah, exactly. Um, and what, you know, how, like we said earlier, which rules are going to apply is whether or not, you know, how yeah. you think of the, you know, the situation of the Palestinians, right? Is this a state? Uh, Several states uh, recognize Palestine as a state. Palestine is a signatory to the uh, Rome Statute of the International Criminal Court, but then again, you know, lots of states don't recognize it. Um, so it's, you know, if it is a state, then the uh, entirety of the laws of armed conflict apply, and then there are, but, uh, you know, my thought here is that you know what we're worried about here is the protection of civilians. What's going to protect civilians the most? And there is no, you know, obviously the Israelis are not going to uh, agree to a situation in which the Palestine, you know, Palestine is recognized as a state. Yeah, yeah, that's not going to happen. But I think the worry here is would that because that would mean that possibly Hamas fighters would have to be recognized as prisoners of war. But, and then get the full protections of the Geneva Conventions, but that not, that's not obvious to me. Right? It's written in the Geneva Conventions that you know, even non-state actors, such as Hamas, you know, have to apply, have to comply with the laws of armed conflict, and if they don't, they don't need to be treated as prisoners of war. We saw this in uh, Iraq as well. Say what you want about uh, you know, the Bush administration policy in Afghanistan and Iraq, but you, know, you don't need to treat some people as prisoners of war if they don't comply with the Geneva Convention. Right. So, you know, they can all be treated as war criminals. Brian, who may, like you say, we need to start to buy, we would have to define what this conflict is, and then the rules would sort of cascade from there, but, but who makes that determination? I mean, if the rules are there, they need to be followed. Who makes that all-important decision that sort of says, okay, these are the rules that you must follow? Yeah. Well, states have agreed to these throughout um throughout the post-Second World War era, right? They've signed on to treaties freely. No one's forced them to do that. So, in a, you know, they've agreed, in a sense, to follow rules. But then, I guess, you know, sort of the real question here is, how are we going to enforce those? How are we going to make states comply? And that's obviously a political question. Um, 
if states are real, just like in you know domestic law, there are some people that you just can't you know you can't stop them from speeding their cars. That you can't stop some people from robbing stores. They just don't think what they're doing is wrong. Sometimes you're just going to be in a situation where you know people are just not going to agree with you, and you may not be able to get compliance. I think that is sort of the situation we yeah. might be in here now, and which sort of makes me very you know very worried about what's going to happen in the next few weeks. I think you're absolutely right, Brian. Um, out of time, but thank you so much for being here. I really appreciate the conversation. It's important.